Stuart Mandel from The Athletic. I really enjoyed your story about the future of realignment and all the various possibilities. People are always talking about, well, the Power Five is going to break away from the NCAA. They're going to do their own thing. So that was one scenario I threw out there. The college football Premier League top programs break off and do their own thing. Just in football, if something like that happens, I don't think it would be the whole Power Five. If I'm USC, if I'm Ohio State, if I'm Michigan, and I'm looking to purely maximize my profits, I'd be better off playing a schedule of just those teams and not Purdue or Illinois or Oregon State or any number of those schools that aren't really moving the needle. Jeff Green with us here on The Big Show. In your mind, what are your best attributes? You know, being able to play multiple positions, guard multiple positions, spread the floor out, being able to attack at the rim, I think that's what I'm best at, getting to the rim. You know, being a vet that's been through a lot. You know, I've been to the finals, I've been to the playoffs, probably, you know, this is my what, 13th, 12th year. I've been to the playoffs probably seven of those years. So, you know, the experience of that and being on the finals team, knowing what it takes. It takes some luck, but it also takes a lot of sacrifice and a lot of being on the same page to get to that point. You know, that's what I bring. Which is more likely, BYU winning eight games or BYU beating Utah? BYU beating Utah. Yeah, I agree with that because that's a one-time deal. Yep. You're playing on your home field. Are the Utes the better team? I think they are. But sometimes emotion can make up for lack of talent. I expect them to win at least one of those first four games, and I think that's fair to expect. If they start the season one and three, I wonder what that does for them. I'm not sure I'm seeing where those eight wins are coming from. Jazz new center, Ed Davis. How do you see yourself fitting in here? What do you got to do? For me, like, the, the difficult part is, like, moving my family, finding a spot, you know, understanding the city. You know, the basketball part is easy. You know, my personality, you know, I always, you know, um, I feel like I can fit in, you know, adapt to any environment there is in this world. So, you know, fitting in the locker room, you know, I don't even think about that. And then on the court, you know, I, I've been on a lot of, you know, different teams, good teams, bad teams, winning teams, losing teams, so honestly, I don't even think about it. It's going to be an easy transition for me. Craig Bowler, Jack, here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I think the biggest difference we're going to notice is it's near impossible for one player to take away Rudy rolling to the rim. So, with the spacing, what do you do now? You I can't mean, sag to stop him, as you were saying. I, I'm thinking that he'll just dominate. I don't know any other way to put it, and he may step outside a little bit. I think if his game could add a 12-foot or even a 6-foot turnaround jumper like that would be a, a huge weapon in the arsenal, that's where I think it separates him from being an all-star, is to add that extra offensive skill. Manny Bowen, linebacker for the University of Utah, did not report to camp, is reportedly retiring from football. That hurts the Utah, well, by the way. Yeah. Tough to entirely judge these things, because we don't know the circumstances of his personal life. I would guess Utah isn't wild about the timing. No. That coaches are not wild about a no-show to the first day of camp. Obviously, this team has a lot of preseason hype. Right now, it seems like the questions are about the offensive line, receivers, and now the linebackers. Yep, I would totally agree. Those are pretty important areas to uh, make, but they have talent in the program. I, I believe that. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. I almost have the feeling it's Mike Conley's locker room already. I think that's going to be really interesting. I think it's going to be really valuable for Donovan to have a new voice, and that's going to be Conley, who I think he turns to and listens to and asks about life. I think Rudy will still have his impact, but maybe in a better way. Maybe Rudy can just be that guy that's demanding you to perform at a level of excellence at all times and not have to then also turn around and try to lead the locker room. But it's pretty clear to me it's Mike Conley's locker room when the veterans are all signing here because Mike Conley signed here. It'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. Is everybody ready?
Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Hi, Cameron. Hi, how are you doing? We're great, man. How are you? What's up, Zach? Hi, Troy. How are you? What's up, Nick? How are you? Miles, what's up, man? How are you? What's up, man? How are, how are you? you? Coach, good afternoon. How are you doing? What's up, Liam? How are you? Thanks for a few minutes. How are you? Chris, first of all, thanks for a few minutes. How are you doing, man? What's up, KJ? How are you this fine day? Hi, Coach. What's going on, Justin? What's up, man? How are you? Uh, how are things? What's up, JJ? What's going on, Jamar? How are you? I say, what's up, man? How are you? Thanks for a few minutes. How you doing? How you doing, Nino? Thanks I'm for joining us. Coach, it's great to see you. How are you? Coach, good afternoon. How you doing? How are you, man? Casey, thanks for a few minutes. How are you? Bradley, what's up, man? How are you? Herm Edwards with us on the Zone Sports Network. Coach, it's great to see you. How you doing? Good afternoon. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? That wasn't necessary. That was good. That wasn't necessary at that all. Was requested by your beautiful wife, Maz. Uh, my wife and daughter came by to visit, and, and great, great. Now she's piling on. Thank you guys very much. It was her, not me. Yeah. Could we get Naz on the air? I don't think she By would do By the way, it. you you just invited Gordon and Lisa to like dinner while we're just sitting here. You didn't invite us. <laughs> Gordon and I were just talking about how he hasn't done fondue. You know, you do this all the time. We you do, do this fondue. all the time to Austin. You say, hey, Gordon, would you like to go to dinner tonight? Let's do a double date. And Austin's just sitting here like, hey. <laughs> we do not do that to Austin all the time. I've heard it like four times. That is not true. That is true. That is completely untrue. You're a, you're, you and are a bad coworker. It's not like we <laughs> set a date to do this. We just talked about how Gordon's never done fondue. And you don't th- say, oh, hey, Austin, would you like to go come have some fondue too? We should get the, th- the, the three of us we, and our wives. We do not do that to Austin. You, ask him. Oh, well, of course, Austin, Austin is the professional victim. Of course, I know what Austin would say. And so there's some truth to it because you do it to him. <laughs> I think we're fine. I think we are, too. But no, I don't think she'd jump on the air. So, yeah, I just waved at her and she shook me off. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, fondue. Is that like the, the pot that you heat up and then you dip, like, cheese and bread and stuff in there? Well, you, yes. But the cheese is what you melt and you okay, dip stuff right. into the cheese. But you can also well, you know do. How I like cheese. So you you I, would I, like I, fondue. I would like it. But what else do you dip in? There? Well, you can vegetables. Do, but you do meat. a right. But you do a broth too, so it like cooks the meat and cooks the vegetables when you put it in there. It and then for dessert, you do chocolate. Right? You melt the chocolate and then you dip like fruit or marshmallows or whatever in oh, there. Yeah. Yeah. Fondue is awesome. That's what I'm saying. And you, so you guys do this at home. Yeah, we have. Uh, we Austin have lives too far away. Right. You know, I'll just come down the street and. Austin, Adrian, Lloyd, anybody is welcome to join for a fondue night. All but our, I wasn't. All our listeners? I wasn't having the conversation <laughs> with Adrian or Austin or Lloyd. I was having the conversation with you. I'll bring one of those young women who listen to this show. And, uh... <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, we'll see if it works. Uh, yeah. Adrian, day. have you done fondue? I enjoy fondue, yes. Well, then you're 100% invited. Okay, I appreciate that. You, you know what? I'll invite d- Austin, too. Now Lloyd is not invited. So how do you do it? You dip it, and then do you like eat it right off there, and then re-dip it? Or how, how do you... Yeah. Uh, I mean, is that... Yeah, you can eat it right off the... The the fork or whatever you call those, and then little... you dip the fork back in. Yeah, but I mean it's hot, Gordon. It's not like you're sharing a whole lot of germs, and you only use <laughs> your particular fork, or you can put it onto a plate. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. That does sound good. Yeah, fondue rocks. I'm gonna hold you to that. 
Well, now yeah. I've got to invite the entire station, so we're going to do <laughs> it. We're going to have a, we're going to have See, a fondue what, what night. What we have to do is talk about it in private. Well, apparently we're hurting Austin's feelings <laughs> left and right. <laughs> at least four times, Lloyd at, said. At least four times. Hmm. I don't think right. that that's uh, I don't think that that's true. You want to get to Mark Harlan? Yeah, let's here? do it because there's some interesting stuff here. Good good uh, questions and good topics. Uh, he joined DJ and PK for an hour today, and uh, would suggest uh, if you want to listen to it in its entirety, go uh, to twelve eighty thezone dot com, and uh, you can certainly accomplish that. Uh, but let's start out with this, Gordon. Here's uh, Mark talking about how there's nothing imminent, but he talked about the early kickoff times and his reaction. It's certainly been a topic. You know, we, we, for the first time, the athletic directors met the day before media day. And, and of course, then we stayed through most of it. And to be honest with you, the day before in the meeting, it wasn't addressed. It wasn't talked about. We had a lot of other subjects we were working on. But then I think John Wilner had talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it kind of percolated throughout the week. So I, I put it under under the, the subject matter of, you know, exploration of anything that makes sense for the conference. The question really is, does it make sense for the individual institution that's, that's hosting it. So I don't have any problem having the dialogue and thinking through it. I think obviously the mountain schools have a little bit of a benefit with it being a 10 a.m. start, but you know I still think we need to, to to ponder what it would mean. So on the positive side, you know if it's on Big Fox, that's some that's that's a brand uh, opportunity for your program and for your university. That's that's pretty special. It automatically takes you off the night slot, which I can show you uh, some communication I got from our fan base when we had that BYU game at eight. Fifteen uh, <laughs> late in the year, uh, so it takes you off a couple of those things, um, you know. And, and, and a lot of programs, not necessarily Utah, but we're used to doing a lot of stuff in the morning or practicing in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then you got to think about the fans. You know, what does that mean for them, and and what does that do to tailgating, which I think is a huge part of the experience. So I think right now the, the best way to say is we're looking into it. I haven't shut it off. I, I certainly haven't turned it on either. Both schools would have to agree to it, and I wonder if if a school would want to come in. Uh, particularly a, a California school that's already dealing with the time zone change if they would agree to it. So I don't see anything imminent, but it's it's certainly something that uh, I'm looking into. I I don't understand why uh, the early games is, uh, is such a controversial topic. I mean, if you can start a game at 830 at night, why couldn't you start a game at 10 o'clock in the morning? Yeah, if that's what it ends up being, 10. That's still true. I mean, the, the point is that fans are being given a shaft essentially at both ends. Either way, yeah. yeah. And and it wouldn't it wouldn't be any earlier than ten. Ten o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I agree with you. Ten o'clock in the morning is better than nine o'clock at night. I think so. I, I get But neither that, one is ideal. But it, it was kind of interesting. Did you read John Wilner's piece where he, he broke down attendance and he said nobody's yeah. going to the Pac-12 games anyway? Yeah. That's not the case for Utah. Yeah. And it's not the case for Oregon, and it's not really the case for Washington. Everybody else, it's kind of the case. But for I, I think— There's no one going to USC games or just because that stadium is so freaking large that it looks like the number is diminished. I'd have to go back and look at his uh, average or at his attendance numbers, but USC was somewhere around 50,000, which is pretty much par for the, the course for some of those bigger stadiums. Mm-hmm. I, I'd have to go back and look at uh, look at the numbers. Cal's the same way. That place is cavernous. And it's, it's never filled. But I think Utah fans would show up for a 10 o'clock game. Yeah. 
I, I imagine they would. And if, listen, what what's the ideal time to start a football game? You know what, one, two in the afternoon, something like that. And right, it's but just, if you're trying to get exposure, man, you're, aren't you? Your games are going up against you know afternoon games back east. Right. That that's the advantage to this early time slot is it's so Fox is launching a new pregame show to rival College Game Day on ESPN, right? That's the, it's the show Urban Meyer is going to be on. And then the highlights are played all, all day long, but, essentially, or the ga- highlights from the game. And see, that's what they're trying to accomplish here, I Well, think. The, the thing is, Fox wants to open up a new time slot to go right after their new pregame show, and they mm-hmm. want to put a primetime premiere game there where traditionally – the they save you know the networks have saved the primetime premiere games for later in the day and they start i mean if you look at the first games on ESPN every week they're below average ACC games usually mm. so they want to put they want to put a big time game to go on big fox right after that pregame show and that is somewhere that's something that the Pac-12 can take advantage of and i think that's why this is actually a better idea than a lot of people are giving it credit i don't think it's the ideal time to start a football game but Eight thirty certainly isn't yeah, ideal either, especially so, in November. Right. All right. Let's uh, let's move on. Here's uh, Mark talking about having to uh, uh, football expenses and how they have to kind of keep up with the Joneses and project ahead. So you have to project out. I mean, I think there was uh, something I just saw this morning. To your point, where I think it was at the University of Iowa that the the head football strength coach just went over a million dollars. Yeah. That was kind of one of whoa, okay. Uh, <laughs> that just crossed that off the list. I was gonna. <laughs> I'm trying to think if our guy Doug is, would be listening right now. <laughs> if he read that article, oh, he read probably. It. Oh, he probably read gonna it. get agents. Is probably what's going to happen next. But it just it just amplifies your point. I think, you know, I remember when Rick went over a million dollars at, at UW. I remember when that when that shot was fired. At, you know, um, Washington's defensive coordinator is, is up to one four. So, you know, I think you just have to continue to project where this thing is going and and you have to be really smart about where you invest and how you invest but it gets back to what we talked about earlier it's it's this job has become and my my lieutenants around me and and all those revenue generation is really a key component of our job because to keep up to keep up effectively and maintain a program that we have right now and want to have forever, it's, it's going to take more resources. Do cost of, does cost of living factor into it? Can You know, like you, you can tell somebody, hey, this isn't Santa Monica here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we, 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 whether they're hard conversations or easy conversations, it's still a, a, a fact. And certainly we, we have that, those conversations, particularly when we have conferences like Seattle, you know, Seattle yeah. and L.A. and stuff. Absolutely. Makes a lot of sense, actually, and and you you take the perspective where you can gripe about these escalating salaries, or you can prepare to compete. Right. It sounds like he's falling in the prepare well, yeah, to compete have to. category. Right, you have to. Because I do think you know there are certain realities, and and you can. Well, it's like what we talked about yesterday, Gordon. You you've got to pick where you spend your money, and you've got to be smart about it. I was really impressed that Utah's recruiting uh, expenses were as high as they were. They're prioritizing certain things to to keep up, so to speak, or, or prioritizing certain things to to spend their money at. And I I think that's the smart way to go. Whittingham has stressed that over and over again: the importance of recruiting. And so, when you think about it in that context, it's no great surprise that the Utes lead the league in that regard. All right, up next, uh, here's uh, Mark talking about scheduling P5 programs and BYU. 
We really do want to continue to reach out to to top-tier P5 schools. In the Arkansas situation, I thought it would be really fun if we could get an SEC opponent in here. And as you guys know in your business, it's the same with us. It's a relationship business, and the AD there and I are very good friends. He was the AD at Houston when I was at South Florida, and we kind of joked about it, and then it kind of came together. And so we're continuing to to do that. I've stated my intention. We're going to continue to play BYU. I've said that from the very beginning. I thought the game that I attended last year was, was electric, and and I believe the one coming up has all the potential to be electric. So we're going to continue to do that. Now, if there's a situation where another P5 comes forward and we need to look at it for, for the good of the Utes, then I'll call Tom at home down there and we'll, t- we'll chat it through. But that's our intention is to play BYU. Sounds to me like Mark Harlan is pretty on top of things. I, th- I think that's good news. I think they should um, uh, continue to schedule BYU. Well, one question is, do they need to schedule harder? I'm not so sure they do need to schedule more P5 teams. If we're if we're talking, have you, have you, have you noticed that the SEC, the teams that you have said in the past are not really doing that, and they're getting into the playoff, et cetera, et cetera. They're starting to do it. The schedule is moving forward. They're starting to do that. They schedule one P5 team on a neutral site. I mean, I don't think that the, that they're beefing up their schedule. I mean, I just read a report on it, and they said that they are coming around and starting to schedule tougher, you know, P5. But but why would you if you can schedule down because and still they, make the playoff? Because stay ahead of the curve. Maybe in the future you might not be able to. I mean, I just point to Washington when they made it a couple of years ago. They played nobody, well, nobody yeah. but in the non-conference I, I and, a, and a, lost a game the, and still made the playoffs. There's a new emphasis on it moving forward. Yeah, so well, maybe I'll we'll be- see if it pays off. Well, yeah, I guess that's the case. Maybe I'll believe it when I see it when yeah. it when it when non-conference scheduling actually matters uh, to who makes and does not make the playoffs because it hasn't really mattered so far. Well, so, I think that is a trend that might change. All right, uh, here's Mark talking about uh, looking at the pack tw- back of the Pac-12 Networks deal in hindsight. Uh, isn't so great, but uh, they, could, uh, they could be helped by some possible solutions out there. Well, I mean, that's a question that you go back to 2010, 2011, and revisionist history would suggest that perhaps we should have taken the network and gone gone with ESPN. But, you know, when you got that billion, multi-billion dollar deal, it just, at the time, and I, I was in the room as the number two at UCLA when we were looking at all the data, like, let's hold on to the network. Let's see what we can do. We wanted to produce all these Olympic events, and two, three, four months later, SEC comes in higher and Big Ten comes in higher, which, you know, we should have projected that, right? I mean, I think that's the mistake. DirecTV not playing ball not able to come in and and join us. Those were all fatalistic things that really hurt. So I think going forward, we're in a great place now because, you know, we do own it. But bringing an investor now, seeing if it's a major company that's a strategic partner, help bridge the gap for the next four years. Does that make sense? And those are the things we're looking into. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see about that. How do you cash in on that network? I think is really important. Yeah, I I, uh, I admire the fact that he was willing to say that uh, in hindsight they should have seen this and they didn't. This scenario. Well, he wasn't a part of it, so. Well, he was. Didn't he say he was number two at UCLA? All oh, right, I suppose. But even the the athletic directors, I don't think, had too much of a say in that anyway. But uh, well. Here's where I'll agree with you. At least he's not blowing smoke. I mean, Larry Scott blows so much smoke <laughs> about this stuff. At least he's he's willing to to <laughs> concede the obvious. Mm-hmm. Don't you hate when you hear from guys like Larry Scott and it's like, man, either I'm insane or you're full of crap. <laughs> yeah, and people find themselves in those scenarios. 
sometimes in social settings, in family settings, in all kind in, in <laughs> sports settings, where you look around and you go, yeah, either I am absolutely out of my mind or I'm with a bunch of insane people right now. Let's let's do one more real quick, Adrian, because it is it is related. Here's Mark talking about needing to fix distribution issues with Pac-12 networks, uh, but have to deal with their current situation. When I'm at a sports restaurant or what have you, and I can't watch my basketball team play when I'm in San Diego, I'm yeah. I'm not I'm upset, and it's tough. And I and you know, and we all feel that way. I mean, I was at the Holiday Bowl, and we're playing Nevada here, and I can't watch the game, and and it's frustrating. Of course, the league says, "Well, Mark, it's on your iPad." Well, you know, I. Didn't have my iPad. No, I got you. I was in a restaurant. So yeah. we share that pain and, and we want it fixed. But we all agreed to it. What we wanted to do, Utah included, UCLA, everybody else, what we wanted to do, and we have to live through this contract. But what we know is we got to fix it. We have to get our distribution wider. I think there's things that are going on right now that are helping us with that, but we have to get that fixed. It's been great for Olympic sports. Yeah. Let's say this. It has been off the charts for our Olympic sports program. But one does have to question with football and basketball, has it, you know, has it really pulled us back from the national eye. You know, one part really stood out to me there, Gordon, and I, I'm glad he said it because I hate when people say this type of thing to me, but the, oh, you can watch it on your iPad. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Can the fan, can a fan of an SEC school watch their product in whatever darn way he wants to? Yeah. So why isn't it the same for you? You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. Like, I, I've been there uh, with uh, with Mark where you go into a sports bar or a restaurant or something like that and you just want to keep an eye on the game or you want to, to watch it and and they're, well, I don't know what to tell you. I have direct TV. It's like, well, <laughs> you know, I don't blame you. I don't blame the restaurant or the bar. I mean, they, they're, yeah. they're using whatever service bets best suits their needs. And for a lot of sports bars, uh, that's the NFL Sunday ticket. Yeah. Indeed. A lot of sports bars need DirecTV because they show all those NFL games, and I'm sure they make tons of money on Sundays as a result. So am I really going to blame uh, what enter sports bar name here? And, and if you're a sports bar owner, do you really have to go out and get three different services so they can air the game? I mean, this distribution, this is something that, that – they should have considered. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And uh, how many times have we heard complaints from huge fans on this deal? I don't blame them. I I, I don't blame them. And the, and I hate it that that it, it falls on the fan that they have to call and complain or that they have to switch. 801-424-DISH. Give them a call. 801-424-DISH. I don't like You've it. You've switched. I've switched. I don't like it that that's necessary. Yeah, it's you crazy. Know? It is crazy. Yeah, that, that should have been, that never should have been a problem. But it was, and uh, we've seen the results. Mark addressed Gordon's column from this week. We'll get his thoughts on the transfers fleeing the basketball program coming up right around the corner. Stay tuned. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. This is DJ and PK. Yogi Roth, join us once again for the Pac-12 Network. We know what's right with the Utes. Why would that be the wrong pick? What should you fans be worried about? Injury, number one. Tyler Huntley hasn't been healthy since he's been the starter. That's the number one thing that they'd be concerned with. The number two would be SC. You know, SC, they're going to put up points on the air raid. So they can get it together, skill-wise, scheme-wise, and then most importantly, can handle the mental side of it. When they're down, they're scary. Their backs are against the wall. You know, they're primed like every team to prove the world wrong. But they've got the ability and the staff and the players to do it. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance. Reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you about the Tour of Utah podcast up at 1280thezone.com. Prepare for the summer of cycling and learn the best places to watch the upcoming Tour of Utah. Again, 1280thezone.com. All right, Gordon, should we proceed? We shall. You uh, wrote a column earlier this week concerned about the amount of transfers leaving the Utah basketball program. Maybe concerns, not the right word, but uh, certainly pointing out a pattern. Uh, Harlan, Mark Harlan, the new athletic director of Utah, was on with DJ and PK this morning, and he talked about uh, so many basketball players transferring. You know, each kid has a story of which I'm involved in each one of them and, of course, not allowed to, to talk about those things based on, well, it's just the right reason not to talk about private conversations, but each one has a story ranging from makes a lot of sense to not a lot of sense, you know, just from where I sit. I'm not immune to the fact that it is an epidemic in college basketball. I think Gordon's article this morning was accurate when it talked about, I think, 20% or something on annual 19, but overall in the career of a men's college basketball player, about 48% will transfer during the course of their career. It's mind-boggling to think about that. So it's hit Utah. And I think, you know, what what Larry and I talk about is just making sure that as great a teacher he is, and he's unbelievable. I, I really think he, he everyone that comes in, I believe strongly, and I've seen it from afar and now up close, he gets them better. But we also have to make sure that we have the deep relationships with kids. And I believe he tries to do that. I think he's he's uh, made some moves to help in that, in that regard. And so we're just going to continue to move forward. We'll benefit from transfers coming in, and we'll in some, not all, but in some cases, you know, hurt from those kids that uh, leave. Cedric Barefield was a big player for us last year, and he came into us. So, listen, Larry doesn't want it. I don't want it. Our fans don't want it. But we're, we're looking at it and just making sure that, um, you know, the kids are as, as comfortable and happy as they can be. I'll tell you, I'm impressed by Mark Harlan. I have not met the man yet. Uh, I was going to meet him. I was going to talk with him, but uh, our uh, appointment got uh, – got moved but he's he really these questions that he's answering are he's right on the money i think i met him this morning i i uh got to the building at the same time he did so I what were your impressions him. oh yeah seemed like a great dude seems really smart yeah he and, um, and i don't mean to you know he, he and i might disagree on certain things and you might disagree with him on certain things but he he seems like he's really with it when it comes to these various issues. Well, he did uh, go on further about the transfers and uh, with the basketball team and let's let's get to that clip as well. Okay. Well, again, it's hard to, to, to collectively answer that because as I go through and run through in my mind, each one's a little bit different. Playing time, family, family relationship issues. Right, but do you guys need to clean up anything? Well, of course. You, you, you can get better in everything you do. You know, I mean, I, I think we have, we have to. And I say we, and it's not just Larry. It's the department. It's the athletic department. You know, any kid that transfers. We get unpublicized kids that transfer in Olympic sports. You know, I always say, could we have done something different? Could we have provided a better experience? Et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's a collective effort. But any place I've been, this has been a topic. Men's basketball players transferring. It's it's it, UCLA, South Florida, and now Utah. So you know I, I do recognize that it's part of the beast right now. Coaches have to be able to manage that. Kids now they again I'm not trying to disparage any of our kids because like I said everyone's got different reasons. But with the transfer portal being as accessible as it sure. is and as easy as it is, if stuff gets hard and your name goes in there, you're gonna get some calls and that gets you pretty excited. Okay, but again I don't want to sound like for some kids it, it, transferring is the right thing for. 
for them to do. And I do believe we should make it as transparent and easy. They're kids. But listen, we're looking at it. I'm really excited about the group that's here. Some really neat kids. They, they change the rules, as you guys probably know. They can practice a bunch in the summer. So I've gone to some practices. They've been crisp. They've been clear. Very young. And, you know, like college basketball, we're very young. They sure are young. <laughs> you don't get much younger than having, what do they have? They have seven freshmen and a sophomore and one junior? Yeah. You know what I liked about both those answers, really, is you, it, it's really easy to say that's the nature of college basketball. I mean, it, I think nine out of ten athletic directors, if you asked them why are so many people transferring from your college basketball program, they'd tell you, well, that's just how college basketball is these days. And he did that a little bit. And, I, and I'm fine with that because you can point out the environment and how things are changing, and there's no doubt that it's, it's way more common now and easier to transfer than it's ever been. So I'm fine with him pointing that out. But he didn't ignore your own role and responsibility either. He mm-hmm. addressed that. He said, of course, there are different things that we can do, and we're always striving to be yeah. better. And, and, and he, he said anytime anybody transfers from any of his sports, he, he looks introspectively and says, is there something that we could have done different? So I, I'm, I'm glad that he didn't just leave it at, well, that's just how college basketball is and, now. So And he's right that, uh, that what did he say, the number was 40-some percent transfer at some point in their career. Uh, but, but to have six leave – since last November, right? That's what. How many months is that? Eight, nine. But I guess what I like about the answer is he didn't ignore that. Yeah, he's or it doesn't sound like he's ignoring that. Because that is that's more than average. So you know you would look at it yourself and go, okay, why is this more than the trend? The trend is there, yeah. but why is it more than yes. the trend here? Exactly. And it, at least with those answers, it didn't sound like he was ignoring that fact. Yeah. And he he shouldn't. He shouldn't. they got to get to the bottom of this and see if they can correct it. Because it, what does it do? It absolutely ruptures the continuity of the program. Which, I, I get it. If you're Kentucky and you have constantly these one-and-dones coming in and you're revamping, I get that. But a place like Utah, you want to bring athletes in who you can uh, sort of mold together and see what they can accomplish. Otherwise, you're, you're never going to catch up. All right, let's do one more Harlan clip. Uh, Gordon wanted to get to this. Uh, he talks about the priorities for himself, the department, fundraising, those sorts of things, and the direction he wants to head there. Well, the South End Zone design and finishing the fundraising is, is a big part of, of the gig right now. We're designing a new golf facility, which you guys are welcome to come over when, it, when, when it opens. We're going to do a really nice little indoor <laughs> golf thing because I, I love that program. I think they can do something special. We're building a lacrosse soccer stadium right now. It's going to open in about three weeks. we got that going on. We're, we're looking at Huntsman, what's some of the things we need to do to make sure that building stays awesome as it's been. So a lot of facility work going on right now and a lot of strategic uh, thinking with our coaches. Again, going back to how do we rise in the Olympic sports in particular. But this uh, conference all of is those so things. tough with I that. I know. But you know what? It also, you know, you know, you want to win it. That's always our goal. But if you're in the top half, you can get in the tournament based on the for RPIs sure. for these teams. So we want to be in the postseason. I want it to be a situation where if a, if a team at Utah doesn't make the postseason, it's it's abnormal. And that's, you know, we talked about basketball earlier. It's the same there. It's the same across our sports. That's going to be our goal. But again, how am I? How is the administration helping those coaches to do that? It's what you want to hear. And the coaches are probably asking that question. Hey, I got a list of things you can do for right. me. But it, I mean, it, it certainly sounds you know like that, you know that million dollars you spend on recruiting for football. How about chucking me a little more over here? Right. 
but it seems like he has his his head in the right place. And and listen, he was handed a really healthy athletic department. I mean, Chris Hill is not in that job anymore because he was fired. He he decided to uh, to step away. You know, it's it, Mark right Harlan was the he wasn't handed a disaster. You know, exactly. there's there's in coaching and athletic departments the same. I think there's a big difference in carrying on what somebody's doing and totally taking over a disaster where somebody was fired because you know he wants to put his own personal touch right. on things and I and I get that uh-huh. but it doesn't sound to me like he wants to be disruptive. Well, and I like the way he said that because when you come in and you're new, you have some ideas and you want to make certain changes and you want to quote unquote get better. But that's that's not a knock on what Chris Hill had accomplished. Well, you want to build on it. Yeah, think about how far the program grew under his right. uh, uh, supervision. So so now, uh, just because a new guy comes in and he does certain things a little differently, it's not a condemnation of what was taking place prior to. It's just a new approach. Do you think he was warned about you? Why? Well, I just know that that Chris wasn't your biggest fan, and I would think that you know they'd have conversations during the transition. You know, I I was just wondering if if your name you think your name came up? No, oh, I don't think so. Like you know, that appointment's going to keep getting pushed. Right. Right. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't even think yeah. about that, Adrian. Like, oh, dang it! I I got a thing. You know, sorry. I've had certain coaches tell me that when they were hired came in that certain things were said but i don't know about that that case oh yeah so you just say, everyone thinks everyone says that. everyone says uh, you and chris hill you know you were locking horns and all this stuff i that's not the way i felt about chris hill when he retired i wrote a glowing column about him we didn't always agree on things but that doesn't mean you know ain't no good guys ain't no bad guys there's only you and me and we just disagree <laughs> I know, but I've never in my We've career... We've heard this story a hundred times. <laughs> Let's move on. I've never in my career seen an athletic director release an official statement about a member of the media, except yeah, for once. You had to bring that up, didn't you? Yeah, and, and that was about you, even yeah. though he didn't use your name. Unnamed member of the media. Yeah, didn't he just call him a columnist? Yes. At least he got that right. And the thing about it is, is that statement was made on this air and not even on our show. It was on DJ and PK. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's one of PK's prouder moments, I think. It's pretty awesome. I've never seen that happen before. Just once. I was on vacation when it happened. I remember. Dude. I saw the email. I saw. I thought to myself, hmm, what did Gordon do now? Which columnist could that be? <laughs> uh, I was guessing it wasn't Kurt at the time. Thought probably not Brad Rock. Yep. <laughs> yep. All right, stay tuned. We'll have more big show coming up next. 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. May I have your attention, please? You're locked on to the big show on 97.5, 1280 the zone and the zone sports network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us part of your Friday. We greatly uh, we greatly appreciate it. 
Gordon, uh, did you see they released the Christmas day? Actually, not released. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski reported, so they leaked the Christmas day games. Uh, here are the teams that are going to be playing on Christmas, Gordon. It's going to be the Clippers versus the Lakers, the Celtics, Raptors, Pelicans versus the Nug- uh, Nuggets, Bucks versus the 76ers, and the Rockets against the Warriors. That's in no particular order, by the way. We don't know what the, the start times are going to be, but those are the, the five games on Christmas. The Jazz not a part of it this so year. So is that good news or bad news? For me personally, good. I know. For well, Adrian know personally, good news. All I, great news over here. I know that's good news for those who would have to work the game, but for the Jazz, does it matter? No, it doesn't. I mean, they, they, they put these games... They're hyped games. We don't even know how good they're really going to be yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think it's a nice compliment to be included in the Christmas Day games because they do. The NBA tries to put their best foot forward. And it was, I mean, we can complain about working on Christmas Day or whatever, but it was fun last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a nice environment. It was a really good game against uh, against the Blazers. I mean, it's it's a nice compliment, but it does, does it mean anything? Not really. Not with so many games. No. Yeah. You know? The Jazz really, it's going to come down to the way they perform, how consistent they are. It's not any one game. And I know these things get hyped up all over the place, but what? there's no real difference between that game and any other. I was surprised Pelicans-Nuggets a little bit. I guess Zion uh, is yeah, a big draw. Yeah, Maybe that's the reason for that. I think. And that team's been in the news. And then the, the Nuggets... You know they're a good team. They're yeah, going to be. They, they should be a top five team in the West. So maybe that shouldn't surprise. That's the one team that I think Jazz fans kind of sleep on a little bit. You know they're better than what uh, I think a lot of people give credit for. Well, then you're including me there because I I didn't think that they. I mean I know they finished second in the West, but they were not the second best team. I in know the West. you're a big fan of Jeremy Grant, and uh, and that addition will make a difference. I like I like Jokic too, but I mean everybody talks about in the NBA how you're only going to go as far as your superstars take you, and is he really a superstar? I'd take, and I know people will call me a homer on this one, but I'd I'd take Rudy over Jokic. You might get some pushback on that yeah. around the league. Well, Jokic doesn't play any defense. Rudy's decent on offense. I suppose you can look at it that way. And, uh, you know, Jokic, is he a top-end scorer? I mean, he's a nice passer. but He's a playmaker. Is, look, uh, is he a number one that's going to get you to the finals? I don't think so. You'd get pushed back over to my whole city. Um, oh, I'm sure I would. Yeah. All five Nuggets fans would probably be upset at me, but what do I but care? But then, what do you? All those things, all that that whole idea. Uh, how far is your main guy going to take? That's relative, you know. I mean, are, are the Nuggets an NBA championship caliber team? I, I don't think that. Who would you rather have as your number one, Jokic or Donovan Mitchell? That's a tougher question than most Jazz fans would admit. Mm, he's pretty good. He is good. So it's not. I mean, we're talking about a, yeah, a, the best know. player on an NBA team. I mean, we're not we're not talking about the your run down jazz at the fans, Y. Jazz fans will take Donovan. I mean, that's that's just a given. You better score. Yeah, but you know, better defender. Both of those players have pretty good personality, though, and that adds to the equation as far as connecting with your fan base and all that. And they both perform on the floor. I mean, that, that's 
that, that's one of those deals where whoever you pick, it sounds like you're disparaging the other guy, but both are terrific players. Yeah, I would agree. Um, Celtics-Raptors, I wasn't sure about that one either. How do you think the Raptors will be this year? Not good. Really? You think they're going to fall that far? Yeah. I think they'll still be, well, I'd say better than average. Well, in the East, sure, but I mean, <laughs> everything is discounted in the East. I mean, if in theory, and I, I realize this isn't what they're doing, but in theory, if you're trying to get your ten best teams to play on Christmas, is that what they're doing? Uh, that's no, no, but doing. that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. in theory, I, I would not put the Raptors in that conversation, and not even close. No, okay. I mean, who's their top guy now? Kyle Lowry, Siakam. Yeah. Siakam is the answer. You're right, but and, they're and he's good. That, yeah, they're rewarding them with a the Christmas game. Because they won the title. They won. Yeah, they are the defending champs. But so, should they be playing? You know, that's an interesting question you ask. Are they one of the ten best teams? Of the of the top ten teams in the NBA, how many are in the West? Well, maybe the— Back East, you have the Sixers. I was going to say maybe the easier thing to do is who would you include in that in the East, and then the rest would be in the West, right? So the Sixers and who else? Oh, Milwaukee, Bucks. certainly. Uh, is that it? Well, how Boston? much how much do you no. like what Boston did in the offseason? Uh, most people are down on the Celtics. Well, they lost two out of their what? Two out of their three best players? And his cancer will rise Celtic Nation. Uh, he's not Al Horford. No, and Horford, nor is Kemba Kyrie Irving. Horford happens to be playing for the Sixers now. So that would be the borderline one, right? Boston, depending on how much you like their moves. So two teams in the East? Probably. Everybody else out of here? Wow. Out of the top ten, you you know what? Think about it for a sec. We'd probably have to include Boston in there because the eight playoff teams are all in the West are all better than Boston? Probably not. Mm, probably not. It is, it is close. That, the is, fact that we can even close. have this conversation tells you how out of balance this league is. And has been for 25 years. Do we, <laughs> uh, is it ever like going to get back? It's, it's worse now. It is. It does feel like it's worse now. But, I mean, the best-run franchises are in the Western Conference. I wonder how the teams in the East feel about that. We talk about this on a regular basis, and we talk about it with our, our national guests that we have. But do the fans in the East think this way? Is this Western biased? Are they willing to admit that their conference sucks? Uh, probably not, but you just look at the records and you can come to that conclusion for <laughs> yourself. Sure <laughs> I mean, when a team that's five games under 500 is making the playoffs, I mean, there's, you can't really argue with that. And then the best player in the East comes West? For the second consecutive year? Yeah. No, I don't think that's much of a discussion. No, much it can't be argued. Although Kevin Durant did go east, well, that's true. But he's well, not he's even going to play. Yeah, he's on the show. All right, stay tuned. We'll have more big show for you coming up next. 97.5 and twelve eighty the zone. This this. this.